Hello, and thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of DeRitter, Louisiana, recorded at our 10 o'clock service on Sunday, August 26, 2018. The scripture reading this morning is from Ephesians uh, chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. I'm very excited for next Saturday. Next Saturday is a day that I have been looking forward to for about as long as Aaron and I have been married. It means a whole lot more to me than it does to Aaron, but that's okay. Next Saturday at 8 o'clock in the morning, I get to sit in my recliner with my infant son as he gets to see his first episode of ESPN's College Game Day. (laughs) I cannot wait, because I'm going to say, son, you'll see all those crazy guys. Don't do that. I'll say, son, this is, you know, a lot of times teaching your kids what not to do is more important than teaching them what to do. And I cannot wait. Don't worry, Tyler, he's going to have, he's got a Louisiana Tech romper he's going to be wearing for the day. Got to be representing his colors, right, Melissa? We got to do this. We got to represent Louisiana Tech. But there's going to be all sorts of crazy people on the screen. They'll have shots from where they're at. They'll have shots of the crowd wherever Feinbaum's at. They'll have shots of the crowd wherever Tebow's at. They'll have shots of the crowd wherever they are. And those people are going to be dressed up, at least most of them. Some of them will be undressed up, and that's kind of, ugh. But they'll paint themselves. You get excited, don't you, when your team is playing. You get excited to put on the red and blue of Tech. You get excited to put on the red and white of Alabama. You get excited to put on the purple and gold of the LSU. LSU. You get excited. Next Friday morning uh, this year, I've been I was asked by Coach Parmley of our Derrider team to take care of coordinating the speakers for the breakfast that the guys have on Friday morning or game day mornings in the field house. These, uh, Gary Crow and the Old Dragons cook breakfast and one of the local clergy come in and I'm excited this year to work with Brad on that and those guys are going to be there in their game day uniforms. 
I think some of them would love to wear their pads to class based off of how fired up they are at 7.15 in the morning. And they're going to be dressed for the day. They're going to be going around school in their jerseys, and they're going to be, it'll be obvious that they're part of the football team. Rooting on our favorite teams, one way we do that is by how we dress. I did not know this was coming, but even my daughter's getting in on it. My, my wife got her first, and it was dropped off at my desk. Debbie, I'm gonna, we call them in my house little Stella bows, the ones that are as huge as a little girl. You know the kind I'm talking about, the really big bows? We have those bows, and what's really exciting is it has her name on it, and it's a Dorita Dragon bow, and they're going to be ready for that. You'll be ready, and I've been excited about my little girl dressing up. I've been waiting for her to get big enough that we can put those big old bows on her head. But you see, all of this ties into what we're talking about with putting on the armor of God. For we are identified by how we dress. We are identified by what we put on. And while it's easy to tune in to game day, it's easy to go to a locker room, it's easy to see little girls walking around in the bows, it's easy to see all of that. But our actions show what we're really wearing. Our attitudes show what we're really wearing. The way we love each other, the way we love God, shows what we're wearing. And in this part of his letter to the Ephesians, Paul is imploring his people be careful how you dress. Be careful and know how to be ready for the world. He says, put on the full armor of God so that you can stay, take your stand against the devil's schemes. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Because our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Putting on the full armor of God, being one who loves the Lord our God with everything we have and to love our neighbors as ourselves, being those who are committed to the life of being a disciple and thought, word, and deed, those who are involved in study and prayer and fasting, those who are involved in worship, those who are involved in the many different ways of serving God. We put on the full armor of God. Because despite what you may hear on TV, the battle the church faces is not a political battle. And it is high time that we quit conflating Christian goals and political goals. Because as we read right here in the text, our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is against the powers of the world. Because we have one agenda, and that is God's agenda. And we must put on the full armor of God to be ready for that. You would no more walk into an LSU tailgate party wearing an Alabama t-shirt. That would just be stupid, wouldn't it? Can I get an amen on that? I thought I'd get an amen on that. You go in prepared. You don't walk into the Tiger Athletic Foundation box wearing your houndstooth hat and expect to not get a hard time. 
you got to go prepare it. If you're not an LSU fan, for God's sake, don't advertise it. Go neutral, if nothing else. But how we dress and what we put on shows whether or not we are prepared and how we get ready to serve our Lord and to live together is vital. Therefore, he says, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Notice he didn't say if. He didn't say to the Ephesians, if you ever face evil, be ready. He said to us all, you're going to face evil. Be ready. That's one of the reasons why John Wesley, when he founded the Methodist movement, was so passionate about the call, not only for corporate worship, but Wesley called his people into covenant with each other. Wesley would not understand Methodists who are not part of a Bible study, a small group, a Sunday school class. Wesley would not understand a Methodist who is not taking advantage of the small group community of the people of faith to pray and to be prayed for, to study, to live with each other, to serve one another, to carry one another. The day of evil is coming. And I got news for you. Neither Rachel Maddow or Sean Hannity are going to tell you when that day of evil is coming. It's not found by the measures of the world, but it's found by the measure of God. And the question you and I face as disciples of Christ is are we putting on the full armor of God? Are we allowing ourselves to be ready, or do we have a religion, a faith of convenience? Do we have a faith that is constantly bathed and those things that cover us with the armor of God? Or do we just have a call button for when we need God? Putting on the full armor of God is not just a once in a while thing, but it's all the time. He goes on and he implores them, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet, fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, he says, and listen very carefully, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the shield of faith. Do our lives reflect one to have the shield of faith by how we live? Do our lives reflect ones who are putting on the shield of faith so that we're ready? And in case you're wondering what the shield of faith is, a very apropos definition is found in Hebrews 11 and verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things unseen. Faith says we don't have to know how it's going to come out to know that God is going to win and that God's will will be done in the end. Taking up the shield of faith is a statement that says our circumstances don't matter. What matters is that God is with us and we may not be able to see, we may not be able to know, but we don't have to because our trust is in the Lord. And brothers and sisters, this text is demanding of us to answer the question, 
Are we people of faith? Are we people who lean on the Lord our God for every single step of life? What does our outfit say? And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, he says. Be alert and always keep on praying. Pray that I may declare this message fearlessly as I should. I pick on the game day crew for how they, all those guys and gals get up, especially when they go out west and they're up at four in the morning. I got news for the guys on ESPN. Those kids did not get up at four in the morning. They just came straight to the, ste- to the stage from wherever they were Friday night. And if you, have a, if you have a child in college, I'm sorry if I just bursted your bubble there, but that's what happens in college. But you know what's funny? As I watch every episode of College Game Day, and I see the passion, and I see the excitement, I see the lengths to which they exhibit their school pride. And I will get serious for it with you about this. Walking around the Tiger Stadium parking lots before the game, there's a buzz, isn't there? Not people getting buzzed, although I'm sure that happens too. But there's a buzz that goes on there. Go to the Grove in Oxford, Mississippi. Go to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Go to South Bend, Indiana. Go to Ann Arbor, Michigan. Go to Texas A&M. Go to the University of Texas. Go out to Tucson, the University of Arizona. Go out to the Los Angeles Coliseum for USC. Go up anywhere there's major college football being played. You see people who take seriously their school identity. They will paint their faces. They will paint their cars. They will wear all sorts of stuff. They'll put on all sorts of hats because their team has captured, their team has captured their passion. Here's the thing, though. All you got out there is 100 kids who are part of a multi-billion dollar industry. We can get into that later. And you've got people, grown men and women, whose lives and whose emotions are wrapped up in what happens with a bunch of kids on a college football team. You have people who will schedule weddings around what LSU's home date, open date is every year. Imagine the potential of what could happen if God's people got as excited about the cross and the freedom that comes from the cross as we do about what happens at a 100-yard by 53-and-a-third-yard field on a Saturday afternoon in the fall. There is a dress code, brothers and sisters, for being people of faith. It involves not the trappings of the church, but it involves the blood of the cross. A lot of what we use, we've kind of stole from the secular world. As a matter of fact, the stole, the early Christians would not have recognized a pastor wearing a robe and a stole. The reason why the robe and the stole became part of the clergy's uniform, for lack of a better term, 
is because, as I understand it, stoles, various stoles were worn by people of Roman nobility. And it was part of the church's desperate desire to be legitimized that the clergy started wearing stoles as a way to be on an equal plane with the, with the civilized or uncivilized world. And yet now it's associated with the church and not so much the world. What's the point in that? The point is this. These are outward signs. But what are you putting on? What's on your heart right now? If ESPN Game Day could get a picture of your heart right now, what would they find? I would hope that in my case it would not be covered with Louisiana Tech red and blue, but that it would be covered with the blood of the cross. And that blood of the cross would be right there with the waters of baptism. My hope and prayer, and I know I don't live up to it every day, and I don't think any of us do, is that we know the mandatory dress code is putting on the full armor of God. But let's not walk out of here down on ourselves when we don't. But instead, let us leave here renewed in our journey. And let us leave here prepared to put on the full armor of God so that we too are people of faith. Thank you for listening to this podcast from First United Methodist Church of DeRitter, Louisiana. For more information about our ministries, please visit fumcderitter.org or find us on Facebook. Thank you and have a blessed day.